This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Championship weekend. We're going to be doing picks. We're going to take a look at the transfer portal a little bit, as well as do some commentary on some of the Big Ten awards. Some of them make a lot of sense. Some of them make no sense. We'll be talking about that. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify. Leave a review. Share this thing with your friends. Uh, we've had a real uptick in terms of listenership over the past few weeks, and a lot of that is because you guys share and you comment and you uh, you know you repost and keep doing that, guys. I really appreciate you all. Uh, we'll also get to a few comments that you guys have made. Again, really appreciate you guys. Hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. We're gonna get right into it uh, with uh, championship weekend. I- I'm gonna just do the Power Five games. Like, no offense to New Mexico State and Liberty, I don't care. Uh, And I I just wouldn't be able to to break it down at all. So we're going to start Friday night, 8 o'clock on ABC. You have number 5, Oregon, versus number 3, Washington. Uh, Really, it's a play-in game for the playoff. Uh, Pac-12 championship. Oregon is a a 9.5-point favorite. Remember, Washington won at Washington by, I believe, by three points earlier in the season. I, a lot of people, I think, just have a belief that Oregon is going to win this game, right? Oregon's a nine and a half point favorite, despite the fact that Washington won earlier this season. And I think a big part of it is like Washington's kind of limped down the stretch. Like they've, they've really limped along, you know, they only won by two against Oregon state. They struggled a bit against uh, in-state rival Washington state last week. Meanwhile, you look at Oregon, you know, they crushed Oregon state uh, by, by 24 last week. I think Bo Nix playing at a really high level. Um, Washington has been limping along, you know, the past few weeks struggled against Stanford struggled against USC um, struggled against Utah so you know the past seven no past eight games uh, their largest margin of victory has been 10 points you you compare that to Oregon Oregon has been dominant but I I think here's my issue with Oregon is outside of Oregon State they really haven't played anybody except Washington, who they lost to. And so I I think there's a bit of smoke and mirrors with Oregon. Because I, I do think they're 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 tough up front. I think Bo Nix is playing 
at a very high level right now. You know, I think the loss inspired them. But, you know, you look at their schedule. You know, they also struggled a bit against USC, only one by nine. They they beat Oregon State at home. It's a rivalry game, but also o- Jonathan Smith took the Michigan State job the day after that game. So you have to believe that he was kind of eyeing his way out the door. And so how much of this game and how much of Oregon's success is rooted in the fact that maybe they, they're they more equipped to blow out bad teams? And also how much of it was Oregon State had just lost a heartbreaker to Washington and then their coach is kind of looking to jump, jump ship? I, I don't know. I... I think it's really hard to win twice in a row. But I I just think I think Washington is equipped to handle Oregon. I think they have enough on defense to slow them down and I just I love Penix and his weapons. Uh Roma Dunze and uh Polk and you know they've got a good running game or a good enough running game. I think Washington shocks everybody and gets it done. I like Washington, very similar score, 37 to 31 over the Ducks. I think it's another, it's a classic. I think it might be the best game of the weekend. So I I really am excited about this game. I'll I'll be tuned in on Friday night. Washington uh, over Oregon uh, with the upset. The non-upset upset. They're ranked higher. So that's we're, we're going to go with Washington by six. Saturday, December 2nd, 12 p.m. kick on ABC. It's number 18, Oklahoma State, uh, versus number seven, Texas. Texas is a 15.5-point favorite. Uh, I, I'll, I'll put it this way. I think any, any chance for Ohio State to get in the playoff died when Oklahoma State got in the Big 12 championship game over Oklahoma. Texas is not going to lose to Oklahoma State. Texas is going to throttle them. I, I just think they're, they're too strong up front. They, they're, their line play, it's really about the line play. As, as, like, Texas has great skill positions, right? Xavier Worthy, really good receiver. You know, I, I think Quinn Ewers has really improved as a quarterback over the, over the season. But this game is about the trenches. I like Texas big. 38 to 10 over Oklahoma State. Uh, they, they just shut them down. 4 p.m. kick on CBS. Number one, Georgia against number eight, Alabama. Georgia's a five and a half point favorite. I really, really don't want to pick this game. Because every time I pick against Georgia, they win. And every time I pick for Georgia, I'm either wrong and they they lose or they it's much closer than I think it's going to be. Like I I picked that Georgia would up would destroy Ohio State last year in the Peach Bowl. And it was a one-point game. And so I I honestly don't know what to think about this game because I think I think Alabama has really improved over the season. Listen, don't don't get hoodwinked into the Auburn game. And think, oh, Alabama's not that good. They've played a better schedule 
particularly on defense. I know people will look at the the rankings and be like, well, Georgia played uh, Tennessee and Georgia played uh, Missouri and Georgia played this. Listen, those defenses are not very good. Missouri's a really good team, but they're, you know, it's Missouri, like as a program. They, you know, the, Georgia played Ole Miss. They don't have a good defense. A- Alabama has played better defenses. They played Texas. I know they lost to Texas, but they played Texas. They're a better defense. Um, I, I think uh, I, I think Alabama might be more equipped to handle Georgia's defense than Georgia is is able to handle Alabama's defense. That uh, on top of Jalen Milrow, I I just think Jalen Milrow is a game changer at quarterback. I think he's grown up a bit. I think he'll be able to handle the pressure. I think I I've said this ever since Alabama lost to Texas and everybody said Alabama's out of the playoff, Alabama's in trouble, yada yada yada. I think Alabama wins. I think Alabama wins 31 to 24. I think I'll, I'll be honest, I think Alabama wins the playoff. Like I, that's that's my pick uh going into this and I, honestly the winner of the SEC Championship game is my playoff winner. Um, but I, I, I think Alabama has too much. I I think they're, they're, I think they're going to do a good job of limiting Brock Bowers. I think Carson Beck has been really good for Georgia, but I I just think Alabama has a little bit too much. Um, and so because I'm picking Alabama, Georgia's going to win, but I got Alabama 31, Georgia 24, and which is going to make the playoff selection just absolutely miserable. And we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Louisville, number 14, Louisville at number four, Florida state, not at it's in Charlotte, North Carolina, Florida state's a two and a half point favorite. This is despite the fact that uh, Jordan Travis is not playing uh, Rotomaker, Rotomaker, Rotomeyer, Rotomeyer, I think is uh, the backup quarterback. Uh, he's in, I think a lot of people just kind of assume that Louisville's going to upset Florida State because of the quarterback issue. And Louisville's been really like they've been hot and cold. Like they lost to Kentucky last week. You know, they lost to Pitt, but they beat Notre Dame. They they beat, you know, they've they've had greater margins of victory against certain teams. Uh over over Florida State, and that was with Jordan Travis. And so I think this is a trickier game than than people realize. I think people just kind of assume Louisville's going to beat Florida State. Um, it's it's a tough it's a tough ask because I I think I think Louisville is dynamic on offense, and Jeff Brom is like I think he's an offensive wizard. I think he's a guy that uh, can scheme up an offense. You know, I think Jack Plummer has been a, a a really good quarterback for them. I just, you know, I I think people forget Florida State's ability on defense. Remember, they limited LSU early in the season to twenty four points. That's a that's a tall task. I think their their athleticism on the lines is uh, 
I, I think people have forgotten that. And so I do I think Florida State has a ton on offense uh, without their quarterback? No, although I think they're, you know, they have a good running game, good receivers, and Keon Coleman has been really good for them. I, I and this is going to make it hard for the committee, I think Florida State wins. I got 27-17. I, I, think, I just don't think Louisville is going to be, ha- be able to handle the line play, the defensive line uh, for Florida State. And I think that will cause chaos. As good as Jeff Brom is as an offensive mind, I think Jake Plummer has been uh, – not Jake. Getting, I think I'm getting the first name wrong. <laughs> Whoever, whatever Plummer quarterback is at Louisville, um, I I just think that Florida State's line play is going to be too much up front, and it's going to wreck everything. Florida State wins twenty seven seventeen. That's that's my pick there. And then of course the Big Ten championship game eight p.m. on Fox. Michigan is a twenty one and a half point favorite against Iowa. Uh, it's it's number two versus number sixteen. I I I think there is a pathway for Iowa to make this close and to junk things up for Michigan, but I I think everything gets becomes a problem when if Michigan is able to get the first score, because then it, it forces Iowa to have to play from behind, and I think that's when things can unravel. They, they squeeze. And so I think this is a close game at half, maybe like 10 to 3. But I think Michigan pours it on in the second half. I got 38 to 6. I just don't – I don't think Iowa you – know, Iowa has shown some flashes as of late in their offensive uh, ability. But I just don't think it's enough to really threaten – just a very good Michigan defense. Caleb Brown, I think they're probably their best playmaker on the outside. He, I'm pretty sure he's out in this game. I just don't think it's it's going to be a close game uh, when it's all said and done. So Michigan 38 to six, which which lends the question with with the people that I've picked, who's in the playoff? And I, I it's going to be weird because Alabama beating Georgia is is tough because especially if Texas wins and Washington wins and Florida State wins and Michigan wins because then you got to leave a one loss team out and it's either going to be Alabama or it's going to be Texas. And Texas beat Alabama. And so here's what I think should happen in that scenario. If all this if all this happens the way I'm saying what I think should happen is Texas should obviously be in over Alabama because of head-to-head. Obviously. Here's what I think will happen. I think Michigan would be the one seed. I think Washington would be the two seed. I think Florida State would be the three seed. And I think Alabama will be the four seed. Or I could see where Alabama's the three seed and Florida State's the four seed and Texas gets left out. Which would stink and I would hate. But I think that's what the committee's going to do because of 
this whole notion of best team. I don't think you can leave out an undefeated Florida State. I just don't think you can. I, I think it's an awful precedent. And if they do, I, I think they're – I praise God they're going to, to 12 teams. But this committee has learned nothing about transparency and due process. And that's, that's – it, it's been true every year. It's like, how did you come up with the, the rationale for your rankings? And it's like, whose line is it anyway? Well, it's all made up and the points don't matter. Some weeks, uh, strength of schedule matter. Other weeks, strength of schedule doesn't matter. It's eye test. And I'm just like, you, you can't keep flip-flopping your rationale. Sorry, you can't. And, you know, just this past week, how they came out with rankings. And I, I, they just continue to just make crap up to justify who they want. And I'm telling you right now, they want, they want the SEC champion in the playoff. And so Texas fans, I'm sorry. Or Florida State fans, I'm sorry. Although I, I think I think they're in a lot of danger if they leave out an undefeated ACC champ. Um, especially if, if Florida State has a big win over LSU. So I, yeah, somebody's getting left out. I think it should be Alabama, but I don't think it will be because, you know, the SEC is almighty. So that that's my that's ultimately what I think is going to happen. Um, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully it's not this difficult for them to figure it out. Uh, typically that when th- typically there is something that happens that makes it easier. But we'll see. This hopefully this is you know. Everybody has been saying, oh, the 12-team playoff, we don't need a 12-team playoff. Hopefully this is the scenario that helps people understand, oh, we need, we need a bigger system. Yeah, you do. This is ridiculous that we have to pick between conference champions to say who's actually in the playoff. Um, so, yeah, that's what I think is going to happen championship weekend. Let's, let's talk about awards for a minute. Let's talk about awards. Um, a lot of things I thought made a lot of sense for the Big Ten, right? Uh, Offensive Player of the Year, Marvin Harrison. I thought that made a lot of sense just with his statistics. Uh, best receiver, uh, had a ton of touchdowns. You know, biggest name. I think you can make. You could have made a case for a couple other players, but I think consistently week to week, he was probably the the best player uh, on the field in the Big Ten. Defensive player of the year, I thought also made sense. Jazan uh, Newton, I think you could have made a case for some other guys, but uh, you know Johnny Newton is, is, I think, the biggest name. And I thought that, I just thought that made a lot of sense uh, for them. David Braun as the coach of the year, both by the coaches and the media. I, I just don't know who else you're going to put there. And I, I know Iowa fans... And maybe even Michigan fans and Rutgers fans, you're all like, well, what about Shiano? What about Ferentz? What about uh, Jim Harbaugh? I think Jim Harbaugh is easy, 
he was suspended for half the season. So I think he's disqualified. No offense, you know, the, the culture he's built, you know, for them to be able to get to the Big Ten Championship after all that, really great. Uh, Sharon Moore should easily be the Broyles Award winner. But there's no way, no way you can you can vote for him. I think Greg Schiano in any other year deserves it. And I think I think Kirk Ferentz, listen, he went ten and two with a lot of adversity, but a good chunk of that adversity is was self-inflicted. So like good for Kirk Ferentz. He's one of the best coaches in Big Ten history. He wasn't going to win this award. Da- uh, David Braun, easily. Easily. With, with the circumstances, like you want to talk about adversity. I've, I've detailed it a lot on this podcast. No one's had more, uh, more adversity than David Braun. Like he also dealt with injuries on the field. He dealt with quarterback issues. But more, more importantly, he, he had to win back a locker room. So I, I just think he what he did going seven and five when everybody thought they were gonna go one and eleven or two and ten, uh, or maybe even oh and twelve, just great. Great. Um so I thought that made sense. Quarterback of the year, JJ McCarthy. I, I think the only other person you could have suggested there was Talia Tungavailoa, and I you're gonna go with the guy who won the conference. Uh, so goodbye, McCarthy. Thought he had a really good season. Uh, running back of the year, I have issues with. I, I can I see the argument for Blake Corum, twenty two touchdowns. I I just think Kyle Manungai at Rutgers is the only running back in the Big Ten that eclipsed a thousand yards. And not only did he not get running back of the year, he did he wasn't voted as a first team running back, which I just thought was odd like I just what he did for that team getting them to six and six and he missed some time too so I I just don't agree he was he was second team all big 10 both by the coaches and the media but I I just don't agree with that I don't agree with it I I think I think it should have been Manon guy I like Blake Corum I think he had a, a really good season but I, I just didn't think he was as good as a year ago. And I, I, I think it was – it felt more like a legacy award than it was a – than it was for this year. So um, it, it would have been it, – it was, it was tight. And, you know, I'm probably more salty that Manangai didn't get first team all Big Ten than he didn't get running back of the year. As I'm processing this live, Yankee Wolverine is probably – you know, like, how could you say Blake Corum? Uh, Blake Corum, you know, he 22 touchdowns is, is significant. And that, that deserves some recognition. So I'm talking myself into this. I, I think Blake Corum, I, I'm more salty about Manungai not getting first team all Big Ten than uh, I am in terms of running back of the year. Uh, tight end of the year, Kate Stover, that made sense. Uh, offensive line of the year, uh, Offensive lineman of the year, uh, Olufashinu. I, you know, it's like it's splitting hairs. I, I probably would have put Zach Zinner there from Michigan. You know, I just, 
yeah, I just don't – I'm not sure. Like, I think Fashnu had great moments, but I, I thought in, in maybe the biggest games he had moments of struggle against guys like Tui Moloau. But, again, I, I don't think you're going to go wrong with go, going with Fashnu. He had a great season. Uh, Jerzon Newton was defensive lineman of the year. You can't, you can't put him as a defensive player of the year and then say someone else is better than him at defensive line. Um, here's where I have a major issue. Uh, linebacker of the year, Tommy Eichenberg. I'm a Buckeye through and through. He he wasn't even a first-team All-Big Ten linebacker this year. Part of it was he missed time. But I just – I think other guys had much better seasons. I think you can make an argument that Jay Higgins out of Iowa, Aaron Casey out of Indiana, Abdul Carter out of Penn State, uh, the the linebackers from Michigan, Mike Barrett and Junior Colson, I thought all had better seasons. I thought that was a I thought that was a name that was a name recognition award, and so I love Eichenberg. I, you know, I think he had a much better season a year ago, um, but I I just don't agree. I don't I don't agree with that. Um, Cooper DeGene at for defensive back of the year. I have no problems with it. I think you could have picked. Um, you know, Tyler Newbin or, or Denzel Burke, uh, especially because DeGene missed the last couple games. But I, I, Will, Will Johnson out of Michigan, you could have picked Mike Sanders still. But ultimately, I don't, I don't have a big issue with that. I thought that made sense. Um, Tory Taylor, uh, punter of the year, agreed. <laughs> um, it, it, most valuable player for Iowa. There's a couple other awards I just don't feel like I have enough to comment on with kicker and, and freshman and um, I, I'm not going to comment on those just because I just don't feel like I have enough there to talk about. Um, really, my only other qualms here, I, you know, you, there's there's the, the coaches as well as the media and, you know, as Typical, I think the coaches probably get it right more than the media. Um, so the, the media for first team, I, you know, both, both the coaches and the media had um, – the had, well, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking this over here again. I thought the the coaches did a better job with the offensive line. So the coaches had Drake Nugent, Zach Zinner, Donovan Jackson, Ladarius Henderson, and Olu Fashanu at uh, for their first team selections. I think it's you know I I agree with a lot of that. I I have major issues with Donovan Jackson for Ohio State. And I, I know part of it you're trying to trying to spread the love a little bit. He was not he wasn't even the best guard on on Ohio State's team this year. I think again that's a name pick, and I think Donovan Jackson was actually unanimous for the coaches. And I just don't agree. Like I I I just think there were other guys. Um, I think another 
Another guy that I just had issues with in the media put in there is Josh Fryer. I have a lot of issues with with anybody <laughs> on the offensive line for Ohio State being first team. I think Matt Jones, you could have said, I thought he had a, a pretty good season for Ohio State. But I just think there are other guys that you could have put on this. Josh Fryer should nowhere be near – should not be anywhere near the first or second team for for Ohio State. Um I thought for the defense, again, I don't know if I, I would put Eichenberg at first team. I think the, the defensive backs makes a lot of sense. Although I'm honestly a bit surprised that uh, Jordan Hancock isn't on the list. But I, I thought Tahib still made uh, it made sense in second team. Sanders still made sense second team. Kalen King. There's a lot of good defensive backs in this league. So, you know, Penn state had a lot of guys on this list. Michigan obviously had a lot of guys on this list. Um, so I don't have major issues on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but again, I, and Mason Graham was, was on here, uh, for first team. I would have put Kenneth Grant as well on the first team, probably over JT to him. Um, again, name recognition, but Kenneth Grant was a monster this year, and I thought he was maybe the best defensive tackle in 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 the maybe in the country besides Jerzon Newton. Um, so I yeah, not not a lot of major issues with there with the um, with the all Big Ten teams, but it's hard. And sometimes you just gotta. It's like who am I gonna pick? Well, I'm gonna pick the guy I know, and so that's why I think Eichenberg. Uh, Eichenberg is on there at times, and uh, Tui Moloow. It, it makes sense, but I, I just, I'm sensitive to it too. As an Ohio State guy, I'm like, uh, I don't think this is as good as you think it is. But that being said, real quick, I'm just gonna talk about uh, transfer portal stuff. Transfer portal officially opens at December fourth, um, which means the fact that people are already committing to other schools is weird. Probably not good. Probably not good. <laughs> Probably some tampering going on, but we're just we're just gonna go with what we know so far. Um, this is as of the twenty eighth. Uh, obviously, the most players transferring so far coming out of schools with the most coaching transition. So, if you look at Indiana, there's a lot of players leaving. Um, and and the the biggest one probably is Carter Smith, uh, offensive tackle for them. You know the the other big one, Brandon Sorsby, uh, who is their their guy at quarterback. And they, there's two quarterbacks in the portal for them, but overall, twelve players right now that have uh, declared for the portal, which is just really really interesting. Um, you go to Iowa, only one. It's Spencer Petrus, which I didn't even realize he was still on the team. Uh, that makes a lot of sense with their quarterback situation. Maryland, only one player so far, Kobe Thomas. Um, Michigan State, where there's a lot of turnover uh, because of coaching. Uh, you have eight players so far, including both Kaiten Hauser and Sam Levitt. And I think I saw that uh, Kim is also possibly transferring. I, th- I heard somewhere that all their quarterbacks are transferring out. So 
that'll be that'll be some work for Oregon State. Uh, you'll I wonder how much Jonathan Jonathan Smith tries to get some of his Oregon State guys uh, to come at quarterback. Minnesota, not a lot, but I was I was shocked to see that Kaliak Manis is transferring. Like I don't know, I didn't think anyone was going to threaten his job, but I wonder if if PJ had a conversation with him and said, "Hey, you're not it," or if he just doesn't like the culture. I I don't want to speculate, but I was just shocked to see that both he and another quarterback, Drew Viato, is transferring out. Purdue. Also, surprisingly, has a lot of guys transferring out, and you just wonder if maybe they're like, we we see the culture that Ryan Walters is, and we see the offense that he's trying to put together, and we just don't like it. A lot of wide receivers transferring. And it's not, like, I don't think they're wide receivers that are getting beat out, right? TJ Sheffield, Deion Burks. You know, Deion Burks was one of their most explosive players. So I'm shocked to see those guys leaving it's four wide receivers are transferring uh, a couple of defensive linemen uh th- i feel like that probably makes a little bit more sense probably to get playing time but yeah i'm surprised by that uh and rutgers has uh gavin rupp transferring so clearly they're all in on Gav- gavin whims at ohio state has has a guy co- going out um, uh amari abar who is a defensive lineman probably just saw the depth chart. It's like, I'm probably not going to get in here. So uh, there's more, but that's, that's all I'm seeing right now, at least according to sports illustrated, but I'm, I've heard of other ones going as well. We will keep this conversation ongoing. Last but not least, I, I want to just address um, just some comments and some, some things. First off Yankee Wolverine. I, I mentioned him a lot. He, he left me a, a glowing glowing review on apple and i encourage you guys to do likewise but uh one of the things i appreciated was uh he mentioned both my excitement about the whole big 10 but also he addressed um that i i come in as a fan as as someone who's grown up with the big 10 tradition and not just as someone who uh you know, and and because of that, I, I that's often how I offer takes is both with knowledge of everything going on, but also as someone who has grown up as a Big Ten fan. And I just want to, I, I really appreciate your your back and forth, even when we don't agree. Um, but I I've, I I really appreciate the your feedback and your your words. Um, this is a place that I want to be. I want to cover every team in this conference and I don't, I don't do every, I don't know every team as much as I would like to. And I, I'll be the first to own that. Um, and I, I know Ohio state intimately just because I grew up in it. And because of that, I probably know Michigan and Penn state more because they, they tend to be the primary threats to Ohio state, but I love knowing about these other teams and I love, you know, I love seeing, uh, what Rutgers is doing and what Northwestern is doing and, and how they're building. And uh, I, I, I want to see teams like Minnesota and Nebraska and Illinois continue to build and grow. And I love seeing what Luke Fickle's doing at Wisconsin. And so um, 
I, all that being said, Yankee, I, I appreciate you. You've been a, 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 an amazing support and, and listener. Um, another good friend of mine, I, this is a personal friend of mine, Tony Beard. He, uh, he texted me about my comments about Franklin uh, t- and what happens with him uh, now that they've gone 10 and two, but lost again to Ohio State, Michigan. You know, one of the things he had mentioned to me, he texted me about this is like, we feel like we're kind of in no man's land because 10 and two is a really good place to be, but also we want to get, we want to get better. Uh, my good friend, Chris Ebersol has said the same thing. What do we do? Um, and I appreciate those thoughts because I think it's, it's in some ways it's where Ohio state fans are with Ryan day. And it, it I think I'm probably going to have not probably, I am going to have a podcast at some point detailing I think both those both those coaches because I think both coaches are actually in a similar spot really good recruiting you know at mo- like 98% of other schools or maybe 96% of other schools would love to be in the position that Penn State and Ohio State are in but what do we do so but I appreciate that you know you guys Tony and, and Chris you know you guys are personal friends of mine you guys know how I feel about you. Um, appreciate you guys listening in, supporting the pod, uh, and just I just appreciate his brothers. So, um, but yeah, uh, Sean uh, on Spotify mentioned uh, he wants to see me uh, talk uh, talk a bit more with uh, I think it's Kevin who who details Rutgers. I'm going to reach out to him. I appreciate you uh, bringing that up. My my hope as as we continue to grow the pod is I'd love to continue to get more partnerships um, with other podcasters. And so I'm going to reach out to some folks over the offseason and during bowl season to get more thoughts about other teams. My hope is even in doing that, I'm going to gain more, more knowledge uh, about some of these other programs like Iowa. Uh, had a great discussion with uh, – I think it's Connor uh, out of the Hawks Nest podcast uh, through uh, Big Banter Sports. Uh, great guy, loves Iowa and had some really good insight into Iowa. So, uh, but my hope, my hope is to continue to do that more and more. So, all that being said, we're in it. Championship week. Uh, we're getting to postseason awards. We're going to do a bowl game special next week. Uh, looking forward to what happens in the Big Ten. Uh, and in about a month, we're not going to be talking about 14 teams. We're going to be talking about 18 teams. So it's fun stuff here in the Big Ten. Thanks for following along. Appreciate you all. Again, leave a review. Uh, share this thing with your friends. This has been the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. Take care. God bless.